Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm your host and go-to career coach, Kelsey Kemp. You're tuning in to the Job Library series, which is a bingeable collection of interviews with professionals from a vast variety of industries to help you gain the exposure and the insider info you need to find a career path you'll love. If you're excited to live vicariously through people with super cool jobs, maybe even some you've never heard of, then you're in the right place. If you're looking for step-by-step guidance on how you can identify your unique calling and actually land a job that pays you to fulfill it, then go have a blast scrolling through the nearly 50 other episodes of Answer the Call waiting for you below this series. In today's episode, I get the pleasure of sharing my conversation with Reed Joseph. Remember Bethany Joseph from my very first interview way back that I ever did for Answer the Call? Well, this is her brother, and let me tell you, it has been such a delight to learn from them both. Before I give you a little preview of all the great things that you have to look forward to in this conversation, I have to address what seems like the elephant in the room for many people. You know it. I know it. We all know it. There is a certain image in your mind and feeling in your gut when I say the word sales. Or better yet, how about salesman or saleswoman? Let's face it, there is an insane amount of misconceptions and unfavorable feelings many people hold in regards to the sales profession, but I am so proud and excited to share this episode with you today because for years I've held the belief that sales is one of the most rewarding yet underrated professions you can have. I hear people talk all the time about how they want an exciting, engaging, informative profession to step into. And I think for so many people, a career in sales could be just that. So I hope this episode piques your interest in it and dusts off the tendency that many people have to count themselves out of it. You'll love what Reed has to share about how he's come to adore his career in sales, despite thinking it was literally the last profession on earth that he thought he would end up in, and how he found a company he loves so much that he wants to work with them for the entirety of his career, and things you could do in the interview process to make sure the company you're pursuing is really the right fit. And also he shares the books he recommends to anyone when you find yourself wanting to level up not only your sales skills, but also your resilience to rejection. There's just so much wisdom he has to share that's applicable to everyone, whether you're directly working in sales or not. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's dive right in. But just real quick before we do, don't forget to take a second to support the show with just one click by tapping the stars on iTunes to leave a rating. Y'all are the best. Enjoy this conversation with Reed Joseph. All right, Reed. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about what it's like to have a career in sales. Because as we were just briefly mentioning, which I want you to get into, it turns out kind of everyone is in sales a little bit, whether they know it or not. So very excited to dig in. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. Very excited to be here and appreciate the opportunity to come on and excited for our conversation. Absolutely. Well, let's just dive right in. So what, describe a little bit about what you do. Yes. So I am in commercial insurance sales. So we sell 
insurance, property, casualty, otherwise known as liability, workers' compensation, commercial auto policies to small to medium-sized businesses. So think of like your local hometown plumber, right? Okay. Uh, businesses in that arena of that size, that's who I get to work with on a day-in, day-out basis, what I consider to be the lifeblood of the American economy. And, and so we provide and sell insurance to allow their businesses to protect their businesses in what they do. Very necessary. Glad you're out there to do it. Um, so here's another two questions that I just love to kick off with. What are you all about, like you in a nutshell? And then also, what's a career dream of yours, big or small? Great, great questions for sure. So what I'm all about, I would, I'd probably go to my personal mission statement to, to maybe help best Oh my gosh, you have a personal, uh, you're my kind of person. This is so invigorating for me. Yes, please say it, please. Well, so it's to bring glory to God and his kingdom through every aspect of life, family, physical, work, and financial, to seek and to grow in affection for God above all else. So that in a nutshell is what I strive to, and often, most often fail in but strive to nonetheless to to work towards and it is amazing to see how it really does every aspect work work together in order to accomplish that it's you'd like to think that they're all different silos that don't really affect one another but those different aspects including career absolutely Mm -hmm. affect the other components of your life and so with that career goal in mind, and I, I, do, I do have several career goals. I think the one that would come to mind and I'll maybe expound on a little bit would be to retire with this one company that I've worked for since college and retire at age 55 to be able to spend even more time with with my family and in the organizations, whether it be church organizations or mission organizations, directly supporting, whether financially or with my time and uh, in other passionate things. Obviously, uh, I obviously love my beloved Texas A&M. <laughs> oh my gosh. So does everyone else on this podcast. It is not veiled at all that I pretty much strictly interview Aggies. I'm just, here we are, you know, hey, they're the that's best. Right. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but the founder of Bluebell Ice Cream, he is an Aggie. And anyway, he used to talk about how he would have people from his company that would say, hey, you know, we, we really have just a ton of Aggies working for us. Don't you think that we maybe should look at, you know, hiring from a diversity of co- colleges? And he says, well, I absolutely, I already do that. I have, I hire from the College of Business at AM. I hire from the College of Agriculture at AM. I hire oh from the College of Engineering at AM. I, I hire from, from a diversity of colleges. So, well, that's what I will say about this podcast series. Like, what are you talking about? I interview engineers and business students and liberal arts students and all that. So, that's thank right. you for giving me an out. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Yes. And that's so cool to hear your goal of 
really having such a heart to stay with this company that you started with from college. You probably know that's pretty rare. So what makes you, I just have to ask, I know this is a little off topic, but what makes you so passionate about wanting to make that your goal? Great. That's, that's a great question. There's, there's a lot that goes into that, I would say. But one, I'm very blessed to work for a company whose values I align with, who truly want to do things the right way, and who provide superior coverage and service to our, to our clients. And it's certainly a company that I want to be around. You're like, this is worth sticking with. I want to grow with this company. Um, so I, my typical other question is, where did you go to college? You know, I've just kind of stopped asking that because usually it comes up right at the beginning because our identity is so rooted in like, I'm an Aggie who went to Texas A&M University, Gigum and whoop. But when did you graduate and what did you study there? I studied industrial distribution and that is in the College of Engineering. However, it's the most business-sided of all the majors in that college we actually kind of call ourselves the pretengineers because we really aren't by by all means full-on engineers i will say caveat i graduated december of 2014 they have changed the curriculum a little bit it's a little little bit more difficult than when i was at school so if the pretengineer is someone if a current industrial distribution student is listening i am not by any means taking shots at your major, and by no means am I taking shots at my own. I love industrial distribution, and I thought it was actually one of the things that I liked about it in the sense of it really was designed for folks that wanted to go into technical sales in the sense of companies out there that sold technical products wanted someone that had the background in engineering and the technical learning to be able to correctly learn and understand the product and present it in the marketplace, but at the same time, not just be completely what a stereotypical engineer might be introverted and, and not as business oriented or sales minded into that. So it was the hybrid of those things. And I absolutely loved my major, loved the professors that taught us they did such a wonderful job they, they did a great job of bringing in a lot of world real world experience which i really appreciated about my professors and really did a great job of pre preparing us for what was to come having said that most people would look at insurance and say well you're not exactly using your major which is definitely fair however it still is a form of somewhat technical sales, if you will. Commercial contracts can can certainly be technical and there's there's a lot to know about it. So there are aspects that I use. There are certainly a lot of aspects of my degree that I don't use. So December of 2014 again was when I graduated. I like to say I I took the scenic route. I've got my Aggie ring early and I graduated late. So <laughs> That's so funny. I was in the sister major kind of on the business side in supply yes. chain management. So uh, the industrial distribution folks and the supply chain management folks, we were often at the same 
recruiting dinners for the same jobs. That's that's really funny. So how long have you been in your, well, with your current company and what has your career progression been like so far since graduating? So I started with, with my company February of 2015. So got, got married in January of 2015 and then immediately started there in February and for about eight months went through a learning development process. It's essentially what they call a master's in commercial insurance, where every day from eight to five, we studied the ins and outs of the insurance industry, the contracts, the types of policies we would be selling, everything like that. And that was a huge, for me, selling point on the company that they would be willing to invest a lot of not only time, but money and their resources into making sure that I was adequately prepared to go out there. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of companies, not just in the insurance marketplace, but there are a lot of companies in general with their salespeople that they just say, okay, here are the basics. Here's what you need to know. Get out there and I hope you make it. They kind of throw throw things against the wall and they keep the ones that stick and the ones that don't, they just, that is genuinely, and a lot of people may not admit to it, but when you really start interviewing with sales companies and things of that nature, there are a lot of companies that simply just have their business plan as, Hey, we're going to hire 10 knowing that if we can hit on two of them, we did a great job. And unfortunately, that's just the reality, it seems like, in the industry. Obviously, sales industry is a very wide, right, because you have such a wide array of what, what you're selling out there. So certainly not that way in every single facet of the sales industry, but, but that is something. So that was something that really drew me to the company that I worked for, and I, I really appreciate. Yeah, and so after that really generous training period, have you had multiple steps, I'm assuming, of promotions and different roles? Great question. So we, with our company, they only promote from within. However, one thing that also drew me to the company was the fact that they, in my opinion, gave the sales salesmen the opportunity to truly have a career to where if that's what you desired to just be a salesman for the rest of your career and never move up the corporate ladder and do the management positions and things of that nature. That was completely fine. And not only was it completely fine, but if you were successful at it, then you would have ample opportunity from a financial standpoint, from a work-life balance and, and all of that. So funny enough, I actually, during the interview process, made it very clear to them that uh, my intention was to only be a salesman and to never move up, and 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 that's been the case. So after the eight months of training, I have was fortunate enough to get a sales territory. I'm out here in East Texas and have been here for over five years now in this particular territory. And Lord willing, will be here the rest of my career. That's something that's so cool about sales. It sounds like that you touched on the common reality of moving up means just managing people and getting farther away from doing the actual work that you might have got into the business for. 
And some people can't wait to get to that spot. Others think, no, I really just love the work. Is there some place where I could continue to have a career progression and stay in that? And so that's so cool that at your company, but tell me if I'm wrong, it sounds like that might just be an opportunity in sales that you could just continue to succeed, do more and more and maybe specialize within it or something, but you're able to stay a salesperson if that's what you want. That's correct. And so what I would, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure get into more of, but I would really recommend when folks are looking at different sales opportunities, I would recommend making sure that if your calling really is in sales and, and that's what you're wanting to go to and that the company that you're going to be working for will allow you to achieve the goals that you have financially and in your career and for your family and the work-life balance and everything as just a salesman and that you won't have to eventually get to a point where you go, I love what I do, but in order to make the type of money that I want to make to be able to provide for my family the way I want to provide for. I'm going to have to take this promotion and be a manager and travel a lot more and be away from and do all these things. And so essentially, I guess what I was, what I was alluding to was the fact of that with the company I work for, they don't try to just keep their salesmen in a box. And in fact, they openly talk about the fact how there's a lot of salesmen that make a lot more than some top managers in the company and they like that because oh, dang. That's cool. day, that this, they realize and value the salesman because they know the salesmen are the one that are bringing in the revenue for the company. And so that's, that would be a, a piece that I would really, you know, encourage is make sure that the company truly values the salesman and doesn't just see them as people that they can use to get what they want. And so, and, and obviously there's no perfect company out there. However, there are companies, in my opinion, that I've talked to with friends and others that seemingly some value their salesmen more than others is what I would say. Yeah. Are there specific ways or questions that you would recommend bringing up in the interview or on your own researching or networking to actually make that happen? Because I know there's so much talk about any kind of advice related to make sure your company, blah, blah, blah. But when you're an eager job seeker, it could be so easy to just throw that out the window or be like, no, I did ask them that one question, so it should be fine, but maybe that's not thorough enough. So what did you actually do to find out or vet your company to make sure it would be a good fit? Yes. So I was fortunate that part of the built-in 10-step interview process that my company put me through was, one, getting on the phone and talking to salesmen that were currently in the position, and two, actually getting out in the field and riding along with them as well, and, and really getting to pick their brain and asking them and not being afraid to ask ask them the questions of, hey, what, what are the frustrations of the job, right? And, and a big red flag <laughs> would be if someone said, well, you know, everything's just perfect. I love it. There's no frustrations because that's not reality. There's frustrations at every job. And so I would highly encourage anyone to make sure that they ask for people that are currently in the position 
for their numbers to, to have the permission to be able to call them and pick their brain that aren't necessarily in the interview process. If it's possible, I would highly recommend going along and, and shadowing someone for a day or a couple of days, because I think that's a huge opportunity to be able to really dive in and see the culture. And it's, it's interesting because I think someone might hear that and say, well, that sounds like a lot of effort. And really at the end of the day, Reed, are they really going to be honest with me and, and tell me, you know, the frustrations? And I would respectfully submit that, yes, they will. If you call up a couple of people that work there, I genuinely believe they'd be like, you know what, like, here, here are the frustrations and here's what I wish I would have known before I started. And here's this. And, and, and I really do believe that if you're talking to people that aren't actively trying to hire you in that company, that a lot of people will be willing to give you the time and, and that you'll, it's always amazing what people will share with you. And yeah. this is a little bit off topic, but we'll, we'll kind of get into kind of how I got started in sales and, and I had the opportunity to participate in a program called Southwestern Advantage. And it's a, it's the oldest college internship in the United States. The company started in 1855 and in 1867, they had civil war veterans selling Bibles door to door to pay their way through college. And anyway, long story short, they now sell with college kids every summer sell educational products. So things that help kids with their homework, with the ACT, SAT, all that good stuff. All that being said is I've been out in places that I've never been before, knocked on doors, talked to literally just knocked on doors. And I, I never would have dreamed that in a couple of days, I would have been able to hear all of this town gossip and what was going <laughs> on and who was mad at who. And, and I wasn't asking any of these questions. People were just volunteering this to this random college kid that knocked on their door. And so all that being said, is I genuinely think that people will tell you. So you I agree. Ask the right questions. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not even the pressure of asking the right questions. It's just asking at asking. all, because I trust Sorry. that competent people, all the people listening to this podcast, don't worry, you'll figure it out. Just start asking people things, you know, Amen. and right. this concept that you're talking about with getting to talk to people that aren't your, the hiring managers, that would be your potential coworkers. That is what I would call the informational interview phase. That's kind of a networking piece into even getting the interview in the first place. So it, that's kind of just to reference if any listeners have heard me talking about that a lot before, you are backing me up on this concept. It's so important and that's really the way to go about it. I am very eager to hear about how you found out or realized you really wanted to go into sales? Yes. So this is a good one in the sense that I always tell folks that when I was a sophomore in college, I ended up sitting next to at one of my classes. This girl was the first day of class. And we, we sat next to one another in the, towards the front of the class. And, and anyway, it was probably a couple of weeks later she just said, hey, Reed, 
I've got this, I've got a, my manager who was my manager during last summer's internship is going to be in town. It's this summer program where you sell educational materials and the average kid makes like $7,000 or whatever. And would you come hear about it? And I was like, pretty intrigued. And I was like, well, tell me, right. I was just asking her all these questions and it was hilarious because she was deflecting everything. It was just like, well, just, well, just come. He'll, he'll, he'll tell, he's a lot better at explaining it than I am. And I'm like, well, you did it for the summer. Like, just tell me about it. And anyway, she's like, well, just come, just come. Anyway, long story short, get to the interview. And it is literally door to door sales for 80 hours a week, six days a week, What? Literally 80 hours. And What's funny is, is that I am genuine and, and a lot of people that maybe know me only as a salesman might find this hard to believe, but I tell people and I am completely genuine. Growing up, I genuinely did not like sales at all. And I was scared to death of knocking on strangers doors. And I had done it just a couple of times here and there to try to sell these pizza cards for the football team. And it was just the worst experience ever. And I hated asking people for money and I just, it was terrible. And so I joke with people that, Hey, here's my dream internship. Can't stand sales. And I'm scared to death of knocking on doors. <laughs> this sounds perfect. Right. And what I would say is, is that what I realized was had a dad growing up that was, a salesman all of his life and just genuinely never saw myself in that and just thought that he was good at it naturally. And I wasn't, and that's kind of was my thinking. I just thought there are people that are good at sales and there are those that aren't. And I'm probably just not one that is any good at it because anytime I've tried to sell for a school fundraiser or anything, I just had this icky feeling inside and I didn't like asking people for money and I was just like, this is terrible and I never want to do it. However, going back to this internship, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to do it. And there's a whole backstory to it. And there's more to it. But long story short, I just believed and trusted that that was what the Lord had for me that summer. And so in faith, I decided to pursue it and ended up going and participating in it. And was the summer that I've learned by far and away the, the most in, um, more than any sales class could have ever taught me or any sales book or anything. And all those things are wonderful. But the, the amount that I learned, not only about sales, but myself, communication and, and all of that. And it really, that summer for me was a huge turning point in the sense of realizing that I genuinely wanted to be in a career opportunity that rewarded me for my work and not simply rewarded me for the amount of hours that I worked. At that point, after that summer, it was a huge turning point to where I decided, you know what, I do want to be paid on commission on, on what I'm able to bring value to the company for, right? And and so that was a huge point for, for me in the sense of deciding this is something that I can do that one, it'll, it'll motivate me to 
get up every day with the opportunity to go out there and make things happen instead of just roll out of bed and say, well, I've got another eight hour shift in front of me and this is how much I work, how much I'm going to get paid at the end of the week, regardless if I do amazing or regardless if I'm kind of sloughing off and, and maybe not doing my best. And so that was a, that was a factor, but I would say that the biggest factor for me about the sales position was the fact that it allows me to have control over my own schedule. Because one thing that was important to me was making sure that I had time to be at my kids' games one day and to be involved with their activities and be present in their life and, and make sure that I wasn't that dad that was constantly gone or, or any of that. And that was something that was very, very important to me. And so sales is not always the way to be able to directly achieve that because there are a lot of sales jobs that require a lot of travel and a lot of out of town nights and all of that and away from your family. However, I'm blessed to be able to be in a position to where I'm home every night besides four nights of the year where we have a regional meeting that's just a couple hours away. And it's a huge blessing. And I am also able to essentially run my own franchise in the sense of they're not calling me every day saying, okay, Reed, how many hours did you work this, this day? And so if, you know, like today is a perfect example. I needed to end up helping out my wife by helping uh, and staying home with our youngest while she took our oldest to the doctor and, and just things like that that are those intangibles of being able to be in control of your own schedule so yeah i could see how big your motivation style plays into a career decision in terms of structure like do i want to be commissions based do i or commission based did i get the plural right it's like when people say i love the book of revelations i'm like eh, it's revelation anyway <laughs> um, but yeah, it, that was really cool. And I could relate to having that epiphany moment of realizing, I think my motivation style is different than just the typical kind of corporate job. Hey there, if you're listening to this episode right now, it's probably because you're somewhere on the range of mildly curious to high-key desperate to get out of analysis paralysis and into a job that will be an exciting and rewarding fit for your unique talents, values, and interests, which by the way, I'm here to help you do just that in record time. If we haven't met yet, I'm Kelsey Kemp, a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their unique calling and practically land a job that pays them to fulfill it so you could have an impactful and meaningful career. Trust me, I get it. Picking a singular path out of the sea of options, then making a potential industry pivot to get into that line of work can all be insanely daunting. That's why I created the Deep Dive Career Coaching Program, so you could have me by your side confidently walking you through each step of a career transition from start to finish. From discerning God's will for your life and what path you're truly called to take, to finding the exact job title that actually aligns with that, then getting hired for that position with confidence and speed, I'm here to be your personal career coach from start to finish. 
My signature two-month private career coaching program includes seven weekly coaching sessions with me, access to the library of guides and workbooks I've created to clearly guide your transition, as well as unlimited support from me in between sessions to help you nail down every single step of the practicals like your networking strategy and messaging and your resume and interviews and negotiations i'll help you save a load of time stress and dead-end job applications so you could land the job you're called to faster than you thought possible seriously it could be on the other side of just two months If all that sounds like a dream to you, then I want to formally invite you to apply for my deep dive private career coaching program. To take the first step, go to my website, kelseykemp.com slash coaching to learn more and book a free 30 minute consultation with me this week to objectively evaluate if this opportunity is the perfect fit for you. I only work with people who are ready to go deep do the work and actually make a change once the path is made clear to them. So if that sounds like you and you're ready to accelerate your path to building an impactful career aligned with who God made you to be and what he put on your heart to do, then go to kelseykemp.com coaching to learn more and book a free 30 minute consultation with me this week to get started. I'll talk to you soon. Now back to the episode. This is a question I always love asking all the guests, but I am sure it's pretty loaded for sales. What are some common misconceptions about sales? No doubt. There are certainly a lot of misconceptions because I think if we're all being honest, the person that comes to mind when we think about sales is some guy with greased back hair and a loose tie and and he's kind of shifty and Talk, he's a fast talker and, and, you know, certainly not of the highest morals and, and all of that. And so that, that is certainly a conception and, and certainly one that is a conception in the insurance marketplace as well in, in this insurance sales. So that would be one of the biggest obvious misconceptions about sales. And I think that, like anything, there is some truth maybe bedded in there. There's, there are absolutely out of the millions of salespeople in this world, there are absolutely those who are in it for the wrong reasons and want to take advantage of people. But I would respectfully submit that there are those people in every type of career and it's not unique to sales. Having said that, there might be a higher concentration overall in sales in the sense of Potentially, the the commission structure has a potential to bring in a higher percentage of people that have a huge greed problem or lust for money and power or things of that nature. So I think that's probably where a lot of that lies. But by no means is that the everyday American salesman, right? That is certainly, hopefully, the exception and not the rule. And what I would submit is it's almost an advantage if you're looking to go into sales, because if you're not that, then it's a pleasant surprise. And and guess what? You just, by not being what people conceive a stereotypical salesman to be like, you just got elevated automatically. And so it's amazing that sometimes the standard 
in the sales industry can be fairly low. And by simply being a polite, respectful, pleasant person to be around that genuinely has others, people's best intentions at heart, automatically puts you way ahead and gives you a big advantage in the overall field. Whereas in other industries, those things may just be, may not give you any advantage because everyone's like that or, or, or most people are. So that's, that's what I would say is it gives you a great head start. I love that you just spun that into such a realistic advantage. Like, I don't think that's just a bunch of hot air. <laughs> that's very genuine. And how, gosh, just, I'm sure the listener can imagine how much that really could benefit them if you're just, just don't be that. Then, you know, people will be so pleasantly surprised and eager to work with you. Not always eager to work with you, but it certainly isn't going to hurt. <laughs> sure. Oh, yes. That was probably an exaggeration. Um, um, but, but no, I, I certainly agree with, with, with what you were saying. Uh, but, but it is the reality of, of a salesman that, uh, yeah. and that's, that's really, in all honesty, what they pay us to do is to go through rejection. That's, that's the salesman. That's why we get paid. Yes, the commission check only comes in when people say yes, but the reason that the commission check exists and is the structure and all of that and maybe is the amount is because of the nose. If it wasn't for the nose, then salesmen wouldn't get paid like they do. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, now is a natural time for me to ask you then, how do you deal with all that rejection? So rejection is a tool to help you get better. And you have to have that mindset. And I will certainly tell you that is not an easy mindset to fully believe in. And even to this day, there are days when I don't believe that. And it just stings and feels bad and feels crummy and you get a lot of doubt. However, the rejection is simply the necessary pool that you have to wade through in order to get the results that you want. There's a, a book that I'll uh, reference uh, again, but I want to bring it up now. And it's called The New Common Denominator of Success. And it's I might be generous by calling it a book. It's more of a, really, it's just a speech that was given by a gentleman named Albert Gray. And long story short, he talks about the fact that as a successful person, in order to be successful and what makes all successful people successful, as the book references, the common denominator of success is the fact that successful people form the habits of doing the things that unsuccessful people don't like doing. And as he says, it's as simple as that. And hold it up to the light. You can look at it from every angle, but that literally is as simple and as truthful as it gets. And it's because he talks about, you know, he studied, this Mr. Gray studied a lot of successful people and tried to see what was the common denominator among all of the, these people. And he found that it wasn't hard work because he knew a lot of people that worked very, very hard that weren't successful. And he knew people that were very successful that frankly didn't work all that hard, seemingly. 
and 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 maybe some that generally didn't. And so all that being said is he eventually found that it all went back to forming the habits of doing things that unsuccessful people don't want to do and don't like doing. And so rejection is a perfect example of no one likes being rejected. No one. And I think going back to what I referenced earlier as a kid growing up and thinking that I just, some people are born to be salesmen and some aren't. And I was just one that wasn't. I think that really what I was looking at was thinking, you know, some people must just be okay getting rejected, but I'm, I'm not okay with that. So I guess I'm not a salesman. And that's not the case. Everyone, no one, no one genuinely wakes up and is like, I can't wait to be rejected. However, they form the habits of saying, you know what, it's okay to be rejected. That's part of the, the whole process. And process is something that I'll, I'll, I'll touch on later, but it's part of the process. And I'm going to trust this process that it will work as long as I am working it. And he talks about in the book as well, it's just phenomenal. He talks about there are obstacles and rejection being a huge obstacle, obstacle, excuse me, in the sales industry. And there's obstacles in everything, but, but if your purpose is greater than that obstacle, then you will be able to overcome it. And what he means by that is if you have such a defined, clear purpose in your life, and you know exactly why you're doing what you're doing, you're able to look yourself in the mirror and be able to tell yourself why you are doing what you're doing, why you're putting yourself through what you're putting yourself through, why you're wading through all of these rejections and hurts and, and everything like that. Then if you have that clearly defined purpose and it's such a desire to achieve that purpose and that purpose is bigger than that obstacle, then you will overcome that obstacle. And, and that's what he talks about in it. And it's so true. And a lot of people will say, well, Reed, I have a purpose and that is to provide for my family and, and do all that, which is great. But as he points out in the book, simply providing for our family is not a strong enough purpose because it is, believe it or not, it is, as he says, it is easier to have ourselves get used to a lower standard of living than it is to train ourselves in forming the habits of doing the things we don't like doing. Yes, that's completely true. You are preaching to me right now. Thank you. Thank you for this personal sermon. (laughs) Well, it is true. It is true. And, And you would think that people would say, what do you mean? You mean that people would literally make less money and, and just basically quote unquote settle into yeah all the time <laughs> yes yes they 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 do and and so that's where having that clear defined strong purpose and make it as big and, and grand as you possibly can because it that purpose will get you over to be able to overcome those obstacles that you meet such as rejection Yes. Oh my gosh. And this isn't, of course, just for salesmen. It's for anyone listening who knows that they have a dream company in their mind, but they just won't reach out because they think maybe, you know, they're self-selecting out of it. I don't want to hear no. I've been there. 
we most of us have been there so man that could just speak to anyone and one question i wanted to ask you was that i feel that sales is such an amazing engaging and potentially very rewarding profession emotionally and monetarily and i feel it gets so overlooked i know you were in the engineering school but you're probably no stranger to talk like i heard in the business school as a student just thinking that was on quite frankly almost the last job on the totem pole like no one was thinking about it i think i knew well your sister bethany and then um maybe one other person that were like no I like this. This is an amazing profession. And everyone's like, okay, weirdo. So that's really sad to me. And I would love to hear you kind of contend for sales. And I want to ask what you wish people knew about it and why they should consider it as an amazing, accomplished, viable option. Absolutely. So, because, so I really appreciate the question because I feel and have a lot of strong feelings about this subject. And I may not be able to get to all of them for, for sake of our time here, but I will say that sales, the sales job with the right company is the best kept secret in all of careers, especially for those in college. And, and let me explain. Here's a really, really quick concept. The fact that people think about sales the way they do. And what I mean by that is that these business majors and, and all this normally look down on sales, which is fine. That's fine. But I actually thank them for that because, because they do, it makes salesman's compensation go up. And I am genuine in the sense of that part of these glitzy glamour jobs that everyone wants out there, part of their compensation is being able to say that I work at XYZ. That is literally part of their compensation. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. I have a friend who's actually works for the same company that I do. And in his small group, one of his friends works for the Atlanta Braves. Hmm. And everyone hears that and they're like, wow, that's incredible. You work for the Braves. And everyone he meets, he gets to tell he works for the Braves. And and everyone just thinks, that's amazing. You work for a pro sports team. That's the coolest job ever, all that stuff. Well, but between us here, uh, he makes next to nothing. And I would respectfully submit that part of his compensation is the fact that he's able to tell people that he works for the Atlanta Braves. And don't get me wrong. There are, of course, glitzy glamour positions out there like consulting that have a really good size pay figure that comes along with it. So please know it's not a one or the other by any means. However, even still, those glitzy glamour jobs that even still pay, pay well, there's a substantial demand that they, I mean, the travel, the hours, I mean, it is, it is a lot. And it sounds great, maybe on the veneer, on the surface, but when you actually start living it, going through it and and to be fair i haven't firsthand gone through it i've seen friends go through it etc yeah, i was a consultant <laughs> very good yes yes so so i would say this i've i've heard and talked to a lot of my friends and this is a common statement uh you know hey how's it going and they're like 
you know, it's going. And, and I'm then, crying on the inside. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. And then you're talking to them and, and all you hear about is the next thing. They're talking about the next thing. And they're, they're like, hey, okay, well, if I can just do these things and get to this next position, right, then, then that'll, be, that'll be better. Which, don't get me wrong, I'm all about paying your dues and doing hard things and all of that. By, I'm, by no means am I trying to preach against doing that. However, what I will say is, is that just know that that glitzy glamour position may, may not be all that it's cracked up to be. Obviously, there are those that love it and that are called to that. And for those, I say that's wonderful. And by no means it sells for everyone. But I will say that all too often, as you kind of talked about, people just dismiss it because if they're being honest, they think they're above it. And I would say that that's not the case and that they should at least have an open mind and, and look at it. And it may not be what their position or their, their fit is, but their calling in life. But I would say that they are, if they are just completely throwing out any and all sales job. And, and one thing that I would add on to this, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, what people don't realize is that everyone's in sales. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like to admit it, but I'll give you a perfect example. If you're a consultant and you're working for a client and you have a great idea, if you don't have the capacity or the ability to clearly and with conviction articulate that idea to that client, but they will never implement it. And all of that work will be for naught. If you can't sell that idea, if you can't pitch that idea, then it's, then it's for naught. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's even in yourself pitching yourself. I don't even need to explain that. Everyone gets it, but just know that that is an aspect of sales. And so I feel that people could just wander around and think what is missing in my like why am I not getting these opportunities there could be a million reasons but maybe one that's often overlooked is maybe you aren't um, thoughtful trained or haven't sharpened your skills around communication and of course most people just call it communication but much of that communication actually is somewhat sales related and so if you own that that is an aspect to life that everyone should, well, I don't know, most people should get on top of then. Yeah. Gosh, I just wish more people were realizing that that's so important. Well, absolutely. And I'll give you a perfect example. So there's a book that's very famous called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki. Anyway, Robert, and and I, I actually don't believe it's in this book, uh, it's actually in another one of his books. He's written many books. But Rich and Poor Dad is a New York Times bestseller. And anyway, he tells this story in this other book where this young, brilliant journalist decided to and pursued and, and wanted to interview Robert. And long story short, she's brilliant and she studied to be a journalist and she knows how to craft words and write and, and is amazing. And, and she dreams of publishing a book one day and, and doing all of this stuff. And so anyway, she's interviewing him. And at some point he just stops and he looks at her and she was essentially kind of dismissing and looking down upon sales, right? She was, for lack of a better term, she was above that. She had studied. She was an intellectual. She was above sales. And, and he just said, Hey, 
would, would you remind me what you, you know, are, are writing there in your first paragraph about me, how you introduced me to your, your readers? And she said, well, Robert Kiyosaki, New York Times bestselling author, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, stop, 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 stop. What, what, what was the title that you, you told about me? And she said, well, what do you mean? He said, would you read it again? He said, Robert Kiyosaki, New York Times bestselling author. He said, best what? And you a best-selling author. And he goes, did you notice? It doesn't say best writing author. He says, oh my goodness. English? I don't, I, I'll be honest, you're a much better author than I am. But guess what? I'm a best, much better salesman than you are. And therefore, I'm the best-selling author, and you're not. And that's, that's a, it's, it's somewhat of an arrogant statement, if you will, but it's, it's very true. And so even in professions that you would think, oh, that has nothing to do with sales, it's, it still does. So it's I'm great- just wondering, like, what is so, why do we criminalize this word? And maybe, you know, obviously it is just tied to this image that you mentioned before of the misconception. But to me, I've had to do my own work in reforming my sales mindset. And I just have heard people say, and I've really implemented this belief um, in my own mindset is that there is no serving other people in a professional capacity without sales. There's just not at all, period, we're done. <laughs> so it, people talk so much about wanting to be so altruistic and helping people. You can't have a job helping people if you're not making sales. So I really don't know fundamentally what is so wrong with this. <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right. And a perfect example of it would be in, in the door-to-door sales job of, of selling to families, right, of these educational materials. I remember they used to have, they would send younger salesmen along with the more experienced ones to ride along and shadow and to kind of see how you do it. And the, I remember him sharing with me and he said, well, read, you know, um, I just, I have such a heart. I want to serve these families and, you know, and he was making this point of how, because I was very, very focused. And, and one of the things, and we kind of a little bit alluded to it, but of being okay with no. It's something that salesmen have to, to be. And, and, and it's okay to hear no. That's fine. It's part of the job. But, but anyway, all that being said is, is that he was, he was just talking about, well, read, you know, you will just, at a certain point, if you feel like, they're not going to buy. You're basically, I'm doing my trial closes. And if I'm not getting the answers and responses, then I'm going to get out of there. And he's like, you know, you need to be this and that. I said, Hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from, but if I spend an hour with that family and they don't buy anything, then they don't have the materials to help their family and everything. It just took an hour that could have been spent with somebody else that would have bought the materials that would have helped their family. So for, for me, in order to serve families, I, I actually have to do my sales role. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would love to do some rapid fire question asking. So what kind of hours do you work and what are the majority of your tasks like? What do you spend most of your time doing? Hours certainly fluctuate. I would say on a, on a really busy week, I would work up to 65 hours. And on some weeks, I'll intentionally work 35 hours. And I'll probably average around 50. 
And one of the things I love about my job is the fact that I, I, there's a lot of different aspects and, and items that I get to, to handle. And so it's not necessarily just the, the same thing every day. But if I had to boil it down, it would be servicing and taking exceptional care of my current clients, as well as making sure that I'm spending an adequate amount of time with developing relationships and getting out there and talking with prospects that I'm cultivating that Lord willing will someday be my clients. Yes. Oh my goodness. This just, you know, to speak about the universal nature of sales, it reminds me of different books I've read about how to start a coaching business. And really it's that two part divide. I feel like my day is actually 70 part divide, but fundamentally it's really just serve your current clients and then start serving people that might become your client. And so, yeah, and how that technically breaks down do you find yourself talking to a lot of people over the phone or spending a lot of time in paperwork or drafting different proposals and things? What is so that? great, great question. So I actually appreciate about my company. They very much value face-to-face interaction. And so my cold calls are actually not over the phone. Everything is in person and almost all of my meetings are in person. Now I'm on the phone constantly as clients are calling and, and emailing me and I'm handling different service nature that just get handled by phone calls and emails, of course, but no, I'm, I am out in the streets. Having said that, as I have grown my book of business here, it just takes more time in the office to be able to deliver on the promises that we sell. And so it has meant that I've had to, spend more time than I used to in the office. When I first started out, it was 90%. I was out and about 10% in the office. And it's certainly gone, gone almost not quite the opposite at all, but, but certainly over 50%. It it feels like at some points can be in the office, but I I would say that, that overall uh, you still have to remind yourself as a salesman that, Hey, we, we need to be out there and, and in person and, and uh, de- developing those relationships. Yeah, that's yeah. the funny thing. There's the nurturing relationships until they become a client, and then there's actually providing the service. <laughs> that takes time. And over time, as you're getting more, quote, successful, you it, it is very difficult because you're providing more services. But as a salesman, you never can let the fire go cold on generating new relationship, client relationships. So I'm sure that must be quite something to balance, but a good problem to have if a problem at all. Yes. Um, for sure. But what type of person do you think would be a great fit for a career in sales and actually find it personally satisfying, you know, based on their qualities and strengths and what they're okay with and what they like. Well, here's the great news about that question is that I genuinely believe that if you study tremendous salesmen and, and, and just in my own personal company, I, I look at the, the really high producers and it's amazing. Some are introverts, a lot are extroverts. Some spend a ton of time. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing how unique all of them are. And, and seemingly I'm like, there's really not a whole lot, a lot of these have in common. And I've, and I've looked at it besides the fact that they have a burning desire to succeed. 
-hmm. and that they are very persistent. And so here's the great news for any, anyone out there listening. There are absolutely careers out there that if you're not great at X, Y, and Z, it's not going to be a good fit. I have come to the realization and came to the realization a long time ago, professional sports was not cut out for me. Uh, And that's okay. But the good news is, is that I am being genuine when I say that there is not someone out there, whether, even if they don't like talking with people, all that stuff can be overcome. I've seen it firsthand overcome by highly successful salesmen. As long as they have that burning desire, I would say that that is much more important than book smarts, than head knowledge, than the ability to form, you know, beautiful sentences and speak with conviction and all that. If, if Give me the person that has the burning desire to win and will overcome obstacles. And that's who I want on my team over the person that looks great on paper and resume. And I know that probably sounds disingenuous, but it's a hundred percent true. And it's also not exclusive to sales. I wish that more people took that attitude towards their career decisions instead of just thinking, what can I do? What would receive external approval? Although you might not word it in your brain that way, but what do I just have a mad force of passion to go accomplish? What do I get so motivated to quote, win whatever aspect of labor that is. I think that, oh my gosh, you could just do so much in your career if you let yourself follow desire and didn't look at that in an entitled lens, rather how much of a privilege that would be to serve people with your utmost force and power if you just let yourself follow where the desire is. Absolutely. And, 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 and here's the other good news is people might say, well, I'm not passionate about selling, in my case, insurance. And here's the good news. I didn't go to college or dream of being an insurance salesman. However, I am passionate about serving people, which is what sales is, regardless if you're selling janitorial supplies, regardless if you're selling surgical equipment, you you are providing a service. So if you can be passionate about serving people, it doesn't matter. Now, Now, you do need to be convicted in what you're selling, right? If you think that the product you're selling is just complete garbage, then, then I wouldn't recommend going that route. But the good news is, is that you, you, you may be saying, well, you know, I'm not necessarily super passionate about this product, but as long as it's a worthwhile, you know, uh, moral company that it's a legitimate service that people need, you can find your passion in the fact that you're serving others and able to accomplish goals that you have set for yourself and your family. And I really think that people can learn to, to love it. And that's something that I do believe in sales. It's almost an acquired taste, if you will, in the sense of you do have to somewhat learn to love it. And an example of that would be, you know, I was in the Corps of Cadets at, at Texas A&M and and as a freshman, it was very difficult and frankly, really, really tough. And whenever someone would ask me about it, you know, I'd put a big smile on my face and I'd tell them, you know, I'm loving it. And on a lot of days, it probably was 
was maybe a lie and, and that's probably wrong of me, but I will say it was funny. I remember vividly one day about halfway through the first semester, someone asked me how, how I was liking the core and I turned to them and I, I said, I love it. And in my brain, I realized, you know what? I do. I really do. Like I, I, I genuinely am enjoying this. And, and so hopefully it's not quite the same as getting, you know, yelled out all the time and, and, and going on runs at 530 in the morning in sales. But uh, there are some parallels there. And I think that that you really can learn to, to love what you do. Yeah. Oh, wow. I am, I feel personally called out by that level of eternal optimism and persistence. I'm very inspired, um, feeling a bit called higher, if you will. Um, so uh, as we wrap up, if someone's thinking, dang, I, you know, I might be a budding salesperson. I might want to do this. We will both say, heck yeah, you should have considered it all along. I'm a very strong proponent of this. Um, but what do you recommend they do to just get their foot in the door with a great company that they would be satisfied at? And then I'd also love for you to just round out with any other book recommendations you have on top of the other two that you talked about. Yes. So I would tell people in, in getting their foot in the door that there's, there's obviously a lot of great ways to, to do that. And I won't labor, you know, common points out there, such as, you know, networking and, and meeting people and talking and all that. But what I would submit would be to be pleasantly persistent. And that would be something that they're going to be looking for in their salespeople. And so if you are exhibiting during the interview process that you are pleasantly persistent and an excellent communicator and by excellent communicator, it doesn't mean that you have to form the right sentences in the perfect manner and speak with just the right tone or any of that. But really what I mean by that is that you are very intentional with your communication, that you're following up with people, that you're writing handwritten thank you cards every time you talk to them. It doesn't matter if you talk to them on the phone or in person. You send them a letter thanking them for their time. And you're pleasantly persistent. You're following up with them. You're taking initiative. These are all things that companies are looking for in their salespeople. And it may not, if you just do this for one company, there is a chance that if that one manager, just for whatever reason, right, right, then, then maybe, you know, there's, there's the concept of law of averages in sales. And, and that is the more people you talk to, the higher your chances go up of making more sales. So I would recommend, you know, making sure that you're consistently doing this and cultivating this with, you know, maybe multiple companies that you're trying to get the door in at door in at. And so, but, but exhibit those things that they're looking for. And, and I really believe that that pleasant professional persistence will be a huge way of setting yourself apart in the process. Oh my goodness. Let that be a lesson to us all. I love that term, pleasant persistence. I think if all of us had a little more of that, we might see our goals just all of a sudden start to become fulfilled bit by bit. <laughs> so I have found so many 
lessons and bits of encouragement in all that you've shared. So I thank you so much. Yes, I forgot the, the books real what? quick. I'll, oh, yes. I'll list off just, just a few. So it's a, a, it's a pamphlet I re- referenced earlier, a speech, but The New Common Denominator of Success by Albert Gray. And that's a great one. The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino is a must read for anyone, anyone. And then there's another great book called Take the Stairs by Rory Vaden. And then, of course, there are, are so many others, but those would be just three that readily come to mind of highly recommending uh, to anyone that would be interested in career and sales. You know, I think I might find myself reading those for myself because just like we talked about, everyone <laughs> kind of finds themselves in sales in one capacity or another. So, Reed, thank you so much for sharing all that you did. I've just loved our conversation and had a blast. So thank you. Wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelsey. If anything about the career path featured in this episode piqued your interest, don't stop here. Take what you've learned, critically examine any follow-up questions you might have, and network to your heart's content to get the answers that you'd like, as well as make meaningful contacts with professionals in that industry that might be able to help you get your foot in the door. If you have a friend who would love all the detailed insider info shared in this episode, don't forget to pass this episode along to them so we could create a network of people who are empowered with the information they need to confidently make satisfying career decisions that allow them to serve in the station in society they were meant for. Thank you to everyone who has supported this labor of love known as the Job Library by leaving a rating and a written review of this podcast. It sincerely makes all the difference to a budding podcast like this one. If you'd like to support the show, just join in by tapping the stars to leave a really quick rating and better yet, write a few words to leave a written review and subscribe. I hope you enjoy the other Benchable episodes now available to you in the Job Library series and tune in next Tuesday for a fresh batch of interviews with professionals in fascinating, unique, and influential positions. See you soon.